time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. It is Monday, December 12th. I'm thinking as we're getting ready, it's starting to look a lot like Christmas. All around, I'm going, it's not true here in Texas. It's been 85 degrees here recently. We've had a couple weeks of just really warm, unusually warm temperatures. I don't say that to kind of rub it in for all of you up north shoveling snow. We do apologize, but we're grateful to have you here listening to the podcast, and for many parts of the country, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Anyway, enough of that. Yes, I was a vocal major. Don't comment on I should, did I flunk out. Anyway, it went well. I enjoyed my career, but now we're using the voice to have this podcast, and this podcast is created by Mortgage Professionals. It is for Mortgage Professionals, and we're so grateful to have you as our listener. Again, our commitment is to bring you timely information, and boy, we have some timely information today. And we do it in an audio format, so you can listen to it anytime, anywhere. We have people from all over the industry, outside the industry, people within the Washington, D.C. area. It's really encouraging to see the broad diversity of our audience. We love hearing from you. So please email me. Let me know what we could do better and what you'd like to see covered on the podcast. We're just so grateful to have you here. Say a special thank you to our sponsors, starting all the Candor Technology. They do a great job. It's an only automated underwriting system that has earned a patent. For their unique tech solution, Candor also optimizes their loan delivery and workflow so operations can be right-sized for the last time. I just was talking to Sarah there, and uh, we're going to be recording an interview with her this afternoon that we're going to be flying down the road. She's uh, just got such a – she is uh, CEO uh, Data and Analytics, um, just really amazing individual. And I had, if you listen to the podcast we released, released, you got a chance to listen to her, and it was really delightful. So I am thrilled to have Sarah, be recording Sarah on here in a little bit, and we're going to be uh, talking with her. Finastra, let's say I want to say a special thank you to them, a shout-out. The seamless platform because they uh, automate the entire experience, That's, and it's all housed in the cloud. And it's where borrowers have the flexibility to complete an application, start on a mobile device, move over to your computer, go wherever you can access the cloud. You you can get your application taken. They've done some really nice enhancements, and their partnership with Microsoft is one that needs to be at least looked into. encourage you to do so. Also, Form Free. Thank you so much for Form Free, their sponsorship. Uh, um, Brent Chandler. Uh, was on here recently. I said, Brad, Brent Chandler, I know that. I'm looking for a, com- a couple other things here. Uh, Brent, good friend, someone I respect so much. They've completed over $3 trillion in loan verifications that have helped lenders lower the operating costs while improving the borrower experience. Very powerful. Their overall vision, what Brent is doing in the nation in, or in the lending industry uh, within our nation, it's uh, it's, it's one that you've got to pay attention to. That also goes with Total Expert. They turn the customer insights into actions to increase loyalty and drive growth for banks, lenders, credit unions, and other financial service firms. I love the parts that they have, especially when it comes to recruiting. It's a component within their system that you can use effectively. So it works on the consumer-facing as well as when you're working on your, on your um, recruiting efforts. 
Also, a special thank you to Simple Nexus. You know, for those of you, we had Brett Taylor working with us for a while. He got snatched up by Simple Nexus. He's doing an ROI model there that is really cutting edge. You've got to take a look at the ROI um, return on the investment when you look at Simple Nexus. It's a mortgage software and technology for the modern lender. We had Lori Brewer on November 2nd. Go back and listen to that. We talked about the overall vision of the company, where they're going. Simple Nexus is one of the up-and-coming, along with Total Expert, along with Candor, along with Form Free. We were just so grateful to have and finaster each one of these sponsors, as well as the Mortgage Bankers Association of America. What they're doing on the Hill and what they're doing in guiding and providing leadership to our industry just can't be stated enough. It's, we're so grateful for them, as well as Lenders One, as well as the Mortgage Collaborative. These two co-ops, the reason we have them positioned right next to the MBA is the MBA membership is a must. But you also need to be a member of one or both of these co-ops because it gets you into a more intimate setting when you're talking to peers. And we love David Kittles on the podcast regular. He's one of the co-founders of the Mortgage Collaborative. can talk a lot about it. But both of these co-ops do a great job of helping you get up close and personal with others in the industry so you can compare notes and what is the best practices that's working for others. That's why I believe in so much this group of uh, lenders that have joined these co-ops. Also, Knowledge Group, one of the greatest learning management systems out there. Uh, Ken Perry does a great job, as does Mobility MMI, Mortgage Market Intelligence, as well as Modex. Both these companies help you with their uh, with your recruiting efforts by giving you empirical data about who the people is that you're recruiting. Also, mortgage advisory tools. Encourage you to Stephen Cooley has does a great job there. This week we've got uh, let's see what do we got coming up. This week we are releasing on December 14th. Arthur Priestin, a Priestin Capital. David Kittle and Mark and I recorded that here a week or so ago. Oh my gosh, that was just one of those fun. It was a fun interview, but the substance of this interview, folks, you've got to listen to this one. Arthur Priestin is providing a fundamental difference of way of how we look at the business. You can wrap your insurance, with an insurance policy, you can wrap your previously funded production going back two years and creating insurance, especially when it comes to some of the rise to non-QM product. This is really a valuable tool. It's very affordable. And you need to listen to the podcast being released December 14th this week. Also, December 9th, we had Austin of Rocket Pro TPO. He was came on anemic. He did a great job talking about the market where the TPO market is going. And also December 7th, we had Dustin Gray and Ashley Terrell of Milestones talking about how Milestone helps lenders provide non-traditional transactional um, opportunities. And so it's how you connect with the consumer through Milestones that is just unusual and how you connect to some of your best referral sources. So really thrilled to have Dustin and Ashley on here. So let's get over and do a shout out to Adam DeSantis, we're going to hear from in just a minute, uh, Les Parker, Matt Graham, who's on the call, David Kittle, Alice Alvey, and uh, Alan Pollock. Hopefully we're going to hear from Alan today and Mark co-host, Mark Hell. Mark, good to have you on the podcast here with me today, friend. Good to be here, David. Yeah, it's good to have you. Let's get over and get this kicked off with the MBA Mortgage Minute with Adam DeSantis. What you got for us, Adam? Hi, I'm Adam DeSantis. This is the Mortgage Minute the latest news from the Mortgage Bankers Association. Here's what you need to know. Last week, MBA submitted comments in response to the FHA's request for information seeking stakeholder input on the barriers to supporting, facilitating, and making available mortgage insurance for mortgages with original balances of $70,000 or less. 
NBA's response highlighted cost and regulatory com- requirements as the primary impediment for borrowers and lenders and recommended that HUD reform FHA's qualified mortgage definition and consider creating an internal fund to help offset the fixed costs of originating and servicing small balance mortgages, those that are under $100,000, that meet specific qualifying criteria. Increasing access to small balance mortgage lending can play a significant role in helping some borrowers achieve homeownership, particularly in exurban and rural areas where this type of lending is most prevalent. MBA will continue to engage with FHA to ensure industry input is received on future program changes. And finally, don't forget, MBA's Independent Mortgage Bankers Conference is just around the corner, taking place on Coronado Island on January 23rd through the 26th. Register today at mba.org. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening. Talk about Hotel Dell, and if you haven't been there in San Diego, it's a great place, great location, great venue, and uh, used to live in San Diego. I had two mortgage companies back there, and back in the day, long, long time ago, and so uh, it's going to be a great venue and a great conference. And I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing everyone there. I say hopefully because my wife has to have surgery; she has to have knee replacement uh, done. So we're trying. She's going to get that scheduled, and it looks like it's going to conflict with the conference. I hope not, but. I am registered. I encourage you to be there. Hopefully, I'll be able to get out there for at least a day or so of it. But it's going to be a great conference. And, boy, talk about the, what's looking like as far as the cost to originate, where we're at. We're going to have Marina Walsh. Really looking forward to her report along with Mike Frantoni of the Economic Outlook. Again, they are, things are so fluid. You've got to be at these conferences. So sign up for the conference. I hope to see you there. I'm registered. You should be as well. So, um Thank you, Adam. Appreciate it very much. And while you're there getting signed up with the NBA, get signed up with the Mortgage Action Alliance application. Let's get over to Les Parker with a macro view of the markets and his and with his TM Spotlight. We love Les's music parodies. Always interested to see where he goes with this. So here's Les, and let's see what he has for a music parody. TM Spotlight Soundbite is brought to you by Power Seller, making hedging easy. Blow up the balance sheet, and when rates would fall down, Fed threw prices out its window. The Fed thought it saved us from the financial crisis and the consequences of governments locking down people and commerce. But its pile of money finally caught fire from the rapid pandemic recovery, reduction in global tax competition, and fiscal overstimulus. With the Fed no longer behind the curve on curbing inflation, the bond kings believe the Fed will slow inflation by pushing the U.S. into a recession. As a result, expect 30-year mortgage rates to fall below 6%. Jay won't forget. Inflation that he lost. So take a risk, take a chance, make a change, and break away. <laughs> These views are my own. Discover breakaways at tmspotlight.com. You know what, Les Parker? You got a good voice. You got in there a couple times. It was like a little flat there. That's the vocal major of me coming out on that. I always listen to that. I could hear it whether I wanted to or not. But yeah, good job. Really good job. Break away. So. We've got, uh, you, by the way, you sign up for Les's paid version of his uh, very, very good newsletter. You can sign up and get it for free if you put in the word power or power seller and put it in the code section there. So Les Parker, Gary Canterbone, thank you for teaming up, doing a great segment on that. Appreciate you. And um, got to get him less on again here soon as we get closer to that. We kind of bring him in around Christmas time around there. We bring him in live and, so we can ask him questions 
get his perspective of what we can see and anticipate in 2023. Like, like Alice says, she writes down everything Lester says, because a lot of times, most of the time, it comes to pass. So it's very, very good. All right, let's get over to Matt Graham. Matt Graham is here with us. And always love the match. Matt Graham, good to have you. By the way, he is, we got formally introduced him here, founder and CEO of MBS Live with a market update. Matt, I was talking to uh, one of the people I get the honor and privilege of coaching, and that's Emily Farley of Atlantic Bay. And she goes, I love Matt's personality. You give him a bad time all the time about Eeyore being kind of low key, but he is funny. We, I love him. So you got some fans out there, Matt. So there you go. Emily Farley loves you. I- I am funny. So let's start today with a joke, too. Um, So I was thinking about your assessment of Les's singing, and it reminded me of the old, uh, the the age-old saying that we all know is, how do you know uh, in a room of people listening to someone else sing, how do you know which in the audience has perfect pitch? Mm -hmm. They'll tell you. They'll tell you. you. There you go. Uh, It's a a curse sometimes. It is a curse. It is. I I agree. It is. So you My do, wife you is tired about hearing of it. You do too. Well, I mean, you know, if something's oh. a little flat or sharp, sure, it um, yeah. it kills me a little inside. But you know, it is if what it is. Even quarter tone, it's so sad. It's just like a curse. Can I just I enjoy the music? So anyway, anyway, so good to have you here, Matt. Appreciate that. I just didn't. Know yeah. That. Speaking of tone deaf, let's talk about the Fed and how they're digesting <laughs> all of the all of the market movement recently. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> so, yeah, nice little segue there. Uh, last week, the week before, the week before that, all placeholders, all irrelevant, no impact on the bigger picture. We did have Powell and his little speech at the Brookings Institute, and that did help bonds a bit. But when we zoom out and look at something like Fed fund futures, which, you know, just attempt to sort of guess where the Fed funds rate is going to be over the upcoming meetings, uh, they've really been consolidating and orbiting in a perfect mm-hmm. tenant pattern over the past two, three months. And well, really since mid-October, I should say. And uh, the market is incredibly indecisive and on the edge of its seat as to how this next CPI report is going to come out. Real quick, as far as last week was concerned, um, we did have a bit of a rally that sort of stretched our notion of what the, the pre-CPI range should be. Right. Part of that was driven by labor costs on Wednesday morning, of all things, not typically a report that moves markets. But we know the Fed is more intently focused on wages and, uh, and labor costs and the employment cost index, for that matter, than they had been at uh, most times in the past. We also suspected that the producer price index on Friday would have an outsized impact this time around because it was coming out before the consumer price index, which it doesn't normally do. It was hotter than expected. It pushed bond yields a bit higher on Friday. Still not a huge deal in the bigger picture. It really just restored this pre-CPI trading range. Why am I talking so much about CPI and the pre-CPI trading range? Well, because it was by far and away the biggest market mover that we've had in recent months. In fact, pretty much every CPI report has been over the past four or five months. But uh, November 10th edition was particularly important because it was much lower than expected and really got the bond market thinking, hey, maybe the top in rates is behind us and maybe we are uh, looking at a falling rate environment here for an unknown number of months for an unknown amount of ground covered. 
when those sentiments started swirling, it instantly became all about the CPI yeah. report that's coming out tomorrow morning, the 13th of December, to be clear. And uh, that will really help confirm or push back against the notion that uh, inflation is defeated. And I, I don't say defeated in the sense of it's gone, never to be heard from again, just that this would really be the most important confirmation of a shift in inflation in 2022. And the bond market would probably be very responsive to that. Although I think a little bit of the potential volatility that we could see tomorrow will be mitigated by the fact that the Fed comes out the next day. And uh, it's a little bit interesting. Uh, I'm not personally sure how much the CPI data is going to make it into the forecasts that show up in the Fed's dot plot. When those dot plots come out, they say they're based on all the information that's available at the time of the meeting. Well, the Fed's meeting starts when CPI comes out. So I don't know if the Fed members are going to be revising their dot plot forecast. The CPI is much lower than expected. But um, in any event, the market is still very interested to see how that dot plot evolves. We know with near certainty that the Fed will hike by 50 basis points. And then from there, Fed funds futures are pricing in one more 25-bit hike and another 25-bit hike after that, or 150-bit hike and then a pause. Either way, 1% higher than where we are right now. And uh, the, Fed, the Fed's dot plot could change that a little bit. And uh, just as a reminder, these only come out four times mm -hmm. a year. There's eight Fed meetings, but right. only four dot plots. And uh, Wednesday is one of those. So the hike will be taken as read. The dot plot will be tremendously important. And then Fed Chair Powell's press conference will also be tremendously important because if they one thing, and especially if that thing is maybe looking to be a little bit different than what CPI suggested, Powell will be able to step in and say, yeah, uh, these forecasts don't necessarily take into account the impact of CPI. And uh, it'll also just be able to comment qualitatively on sort of the line of thinking for the upcoming months because he did that fairly candidly at the Brookings speech. And, um, you know, bottom line, David, if CPI is lower than expected, things are good for rates, for bonds. And right. if it's higher than expected, we're going to have to see how much higher because if it's back up 0.6 or above in terms of a core CPI reading, that is going to be pretty tough to digest and it could create some ridiculous volatility in the short end of the yield curve, especially now, I just want to say the short end of the yield curve is where things would be just ridiculous. But the long end of the yield curve might look at that and say, gosh, rates are going to, you know, the Fed funds rate is going to go even higher than we thought. And this is going to be even worse for the recession odds. And that recession combined with what we think we see happening in terms of longer term inflation is actually going to be a salubrious thing for longer term rates like 10 year yields and mortgages. So there is some hope that even if Tuesday morning is terrible, um, there's some hope that longer term rates might sort of survive by the end of the week. We will have to wait and see as we have been for more than a month now. So the code is we could have a volatile week here. Uh, Insanely volatile. Ridiculously yeah. volatile. What happened to the days where we get into the Christmas holiday? Things are getting normal. I mean, just a little bit, uh, a little more, a little more, you know, less less volatile, stable. It looks right. like the Grinch, the Grinch got on here, stole the Christmas. Because I'm looking at your ten-year Treasury on your on your uh, screen right now that sits right by me, 
I'm looking at it right now. And it is very holiday-ish. There's some wonderful green there on the 7th to start off the day really well. And then we watch the Grinch show up on the 9th and eat away a lot of it. A little splattering of green here and there. But, man, some ugliness right now today. Oh, uh, 10-year treasury auction, weaker than expected, just about 20 okay. minutes ago. And that, that pushed us into the red. Yep. Grinching away. Grinching away. There you go. Matt Graham, good job. Um Really hey, I got a, David, I got yeah. a question for Matt, if I could. Yes. Matt, sure did, you, did you use the word salubrious? Salubrious. <laughs> salubrious, I did. Yeah, I, that's what I, I thought. You know, I haven't heard that word in about 20 years, but it's good to hear it. It's a good word. It is. Thank you. Okay. I think I learned it 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. So for those, for those of us who are not familiar with the definition, come on, Matt, or Mark, give it to us. What is it? It means healthy. Healthy. Yep, promoting health or well-being. Yeah, it's the okay. same Latin word as uh, salutations or salud in Spanish. So, okay. Yeah, that's a great word. I'm going to start using that more often. Maybe if we <laughs> say it enough, our industry will get healthy real quick. I think you're <laughs> on to something. I think you're on to something. That is hilarious. That is really good. Mark, I, I, I picked up on that. I almost called attention to it. I go, no, I don't want to break the flow here, get him off of, off of what he's talking about. But overall, let's get in. We've got the, let's get the, the team here to gather around here. We've got the full crew here. Even Alan dialed in here today, so I'm looking forward to getting the comment. But this is really a, a notable place to be. And one thing that I want to note in here, uh, what I like in the live news stream feed where you have all the news articles, CNBC came out with an article or with a uh, segment that you published on 11.47 a.m. this morning. This is Central Time. Uh, even though mortgage rates are dropping, high home prices dissuade buyers. So we're still seeing a, a chilling, a cooling market. And is there any other, some of the things that you want to point out to that are in the, I'm trying to entice people, Matt, to go get the trial period. That's, that's really why I'm bringing up this. There's some <laughs> wonderful features in here, the trial period. Uh, you got to sign up for it, folks. But if you did and you were looking at it, you'd see the live news streams and you get the live TV programs are going on. So you don't have to have that going on. You have these things flashing around like a Christmas tree in the background. But it's really meaningful data. Uh, we just watched PHH. There, Jeff Young posted, uh, repay, posted for the worse, um, worse pricing. So, I mean, there's just, it's loaded with so much good information in here. So, um, anything you want to comment on, Matt, on the live the news stream that you'd say point people to? Uh, well, it gets really exciting on Fed days, for instance. Oh, yeah. Uh, we'll have a, a live link to Powell, and uh, that'll pop up right in the dashboard, and everybody kind of watches at the same time, and then we'll make fun of some of the questions, and uh, we'll say, hey, that was a good question. And it's just fun to uh, have that discourse in real time and then also get to see the market react in real time to what Powell is saying. It really helps elevate people's understanding of what matters and what doesn't matter. Yeah. So it, it really does. I mean, you, 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 you've got a wonderful service. So I got it. We're going to have a little fun. With, so Kittle, do you have any comments you want to add to this um, market um, update? Well, sure. Absolutely. Um, that's a good report. <clears throat> I think a couple of things that uh, we need to be cognizant of. Everybody thinks that uh, the Fed's going to raise 50 basis points. And I would agree with that. Uh, you've got oil prices, uh, have come down significantly. Gas prices, they're down, oil's down, what, over 10 bucks a barrel over the past couple of weeks. Gas prices, I mean, I can get it uh, here in Louisville right now for three, maybe even just a little bit under that a gallon. And then you, you worry about how the Fed um, digests the data that's coming out. So if you look at the, uh, the Fed calendars for next year, there's essentially no meeting in January. 
It's January 31st to February 1st, then not another meeting until March 14th. So for the next 90 days, there's only one Fed meeting. All the information is going to come out after the holidays. we got things going on, and they're going to have a lot of data, data, however you want to pronounce it, to digest and uh, decide what they're going to react to uh, more than before. So really the importance is we're going to have like a little lull here for 90 days without the Fed doing anything, almost 90 days, except for one meeting. And um, it's the spring that has me most concerned. Um, But, man, listen, we're in a strong economy right now, regardless of everything else going on. Inflation's up. I don't like it. But uh, gas prices are down. And uh, rates, you know, around 6%, right? Six and three-eighths conventional. FHA and VA around six, I believe. I may be off an eighth, but that's about where we are. So uh, go out and do loans. Get out and get some business going, yeah. Even though the home prices, like they reported at CNBC uh, this morning, again, watch it on Matt's screen here, is um, there's some issues there. But, you know, rates are heading in the right direction. There have been, except today. We'll see what happens this week. That's why, you folks, you've got to have a system like this. Alice, you want to add anything, any commentary? I think just I'm really curious about kind of combining with what Matt said with what Dave said. So, Matt, you're like – this week's volatile, and then Dave gave a lot of reassurance about stability over the next 90 days, which is a fabulous message. And I'm just curious <laughs> as to then, if, if I'm a loan officer and I'm hearing this, now what? What do I do? <laughs> I keep selling. I get that. But if customers are looking for advice, any any thoughts on what that stability, does it add stability, the fact that the Fed doesn't meet? And, and is there some way I, I should be talking to consumers about that? Um, no, I didn't. I didn't hear the message of uh, of additional stability as much as uh, uncertainty with the Fed not meeting and not being able to provide. Okay, that it guidance. has the reverse effect. Okay, thank you. Yeah, thank that's you. really good, Alice, that you brought that up because I was thinking the same thing. I think how people hear well, that. I, I just is, throw in there. I don't know whether it's stability or instability or concern. The fact is, over the next ninety days, they're only meeting one time. And since they're only going to meet <clears throat> once, then there's no – things do get a little worse unless they call an emergency meeting, which I wouldn't expect them to do. That things will – you'll have certainty that there will be not much of a change except for maybe one time between now and mid-March. That would be my message. I don't know whether you want to call that stability or not, but uh, well, there's just not going to be a lot of movement except for one time. Yeah, at, at least from the – formal Fed meetings, but, you know, Fed speak is going Correct. on regularly and we, we seem to hiccup on every time we have Powell or any one of the governors speaking. So it'll be real interesting. Uh, we've got to have a system mm-hmm. like this uh, around Matt. You got to have it because it just really points it out. What as is happening real time. Really good. Alan Pollock's dialed in. Any thoughts on the markets, Alan? You know, actually, uh, you know, kind of what, what David uh, Kittle just said, um, it's you know we, we're looking at an environment where rates, even though they've gone up and they come down a little bit and they go back up and they're they're volatile as well, they're still at historic lows. You know, you you go back ten years on ago, the macro sense, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, rate, rates. Were, I mean, we we most of us on this on this podcast and dialed in right now and listening can say, hey, I remember when rates were X, right? My first home loan. Back in the early 2000s, was was seven uh, yep. percent. 
So, you know, um, I, I just I, I agree with everyone. I think we're in a unique time. I don't think it's going to change, right, heading into more elections. Um, and I, I think you just have to stay tuned. But there's no reason that we shouldn't be out selling loans um, and, and making relationships. And I'll talk about that when, uh, when my segment comes up. I'm looking forward to it very much, very much. All right. Let's, uh, Matt, I want to tell you, the last thing I'll say is, Kittle, we're, we're, we're focusing on him. Well, we're going to get to him in just a second. But he's, every time I get on a conference call and I have your screen behind me, Matt, he's always taking his cell phone and says, here's David looking with his screens behind him, and he's moving his cell phone around, around trying to imitate that. It is, it is really cool, and it is appreciated with what you publish up, and I recommend everyone have that on their desk. Stop and look at it. Matt Graham, founder and CEO of MBS Live with a great market update. And have a great uh, rest of your week, Matt. I know you have to probably right. drop it in case stay on top of it. Good job. Yep. And you have friends out there. Emily Farley's be one of many, many, many. many. So anyway. Uh, thanks, Dave. Have a great week. You betcha, sir. Appreciate you dialing in. I know how busy you are. Mr. Kittle, uh-huh. good to have you have here, Mr. Kittle, commenting away. He te- Here's the fun part with Kittle. He's just got the most wonderful sense of humor. He says, Dave, I'm listening in the background. I'm mopping my kitchen floor right now, my new kitchen floor. So anyway, I, I wrote him back and says, are you wearing your holiday apron? So anyway, Kittle, that was such an inter- fun interview that we did with Arthur Priest and you and I and Mark did, but it was also so good. I'm really looking forward to sharing that. That's coming up. But any thoughts on production? You're going to be interviewing someone that's pretty impressive uh, tomorrow, or is it today or tomorrow? Uh, on the with uh, tomorrow, the tomorrow two thirty on the on the, the mortgage collaboratives uh, 12, <clears throat> 12, twelve days, days of Christmas, Christmas, right? Yeah. And uh, I've got Doug Duncan tomorrow from two about two thirty, I think, to three oh five. So everybody should listen in and get that's Doug's perspective. Time, what time He's been an economist. What time Take zone, in, please? When you say Eastern. two to three. Uh, is that Central Time? Two thirty, two thirty-five to three o five. Central Time. I've got Doug for about thirty minutes. Good, that would be fun. Good, to, Doug's brilliant. Yeah, just love watching what he's saying. Another one of those guys you pay real close attention to. Very good. Anything yeah, about production? The thing you, you get with. About? Go ahead. No, I say the thing you get with Doug is you know he's generally spot on and right. Now, nobody's always right, but. Uh, uh, has a wonderful sense of humor on top of, of all oh. his insights. So it'll be something everybody wants to listen to tomorrow. So you can uh, can dial in. His and the other thing we have going on at TMC. So. Yeah, his friendship <laughs> with Jay Brinkman. I mean, they, I used to get in and get uh, Jay um, worked with us in the consulting firm, of course, former um, head of chief economist for the NBA. Uh, Jay and Doug had a wonderful friendship. Um, and they were just the emails that go back and forth. I mean, it's the driest, most fun humor in the world. Some of the it's really hilarious. They, what a what a crazy sense of humor. Well, have a good time on that interview. I'm looking forward to that. I'll tune into that and listen to it for sure. And then you can share with our listening audience next week what uh, what you learned and gleaned out of that, my friend. Any thoughts on production, so, Mr. Kittle? Just, uh, I think it's already been said. We got into it after the, the Fed report there, David. And um, Interest rates are still historically low. It is what, just uh, less than a week and a half away from Christmas. So obviously people's focuses are, are different places, but there's still loans to be had and deals to be had and uh, deals to be structured. And so I just, uh, I think it's, it's off a little bit, but it's seasonal. And uh, the market's really been kind, kind of stable. So um, nothing really uh, urgent or earth-shattering to report around production this week. 
Appreciate you being here each and every week, Mr. Kittle. Good to have you here. Alice Alvey is here, and she's the CMB Vice President of Education and Training at Union Home Mortgage. Love Union Home Mortgage. They do a great job over there, and it's in part because of the wonderful training that Alice does. And she's got this week's legislative update. What you got, Alice? Some breaking news. Yeah, I can start there. But first of all, I have to say it is a team of people over at Union Home University at Union Home Mortgage. So, yeah, it takes a team, a wonderful team that we have. All right. So, uh, well, I guess I'll start there since you you brought up breaking news. uh, Just as we were dialing into the show, the CFPB uh, published, let me get the heading right here, a, uh, let's say they published a proposed rule that is going to require registry of non-bank covered persons subject to certain agency and court orders. So essentially, in this proposed rule that's open for public comment, they want to hear, should we, as the CFPB, set up a registry where as non-bank, and I did get a chance, this is a couple hundred pages, I did get a chance to glance through and see who's covered, and it does look like if you are under the uh, authority of if you are under CFPB's umbrella then this would apply to you especially to mortgage financing and that we would as lenders as an example have to go to this registry and fill in specific data about any court orders that are uh, final public orders that are obtained or issued by federal state or local agencies in connection with any of the offerings that we have so you know I'm thinking well isn't it public anyway from like buildings down the street yeah. from you. I'm sorry. Now I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> but <this laughs> well, you raise a good point. <laughs> so now, we, okay. So there was needs to be this registry, and I think the scope of it is something that we want to pay attention to as anybody who falls under this umbrella, because it it really does mean you know we're going to be reporting on orders. Uh, from my experience over the years in mortgage banking, orders take on all different shapes and sizes. Uh, they can be you know uh, pending. There can be scope information that needs to be included. Sometimes they can be taken out of context. I'm sure Mitch Kreider could have a field day with this as well as others on the line. So uh, it seems that the CFPB wants to have better visibility on reporting by lenders to them directly. And they've got like 50 pages just to explain their case why to what it is. So we're still digesting it. It just came out uh, just before the show. So uh, usually we have anywhere from 30 to 90 days to comment. I'll check that out and let everybody know uh, if I can find it here in a second. <laughs> so that's what, what that was the hot news. That was the hot news, yes. It'd be interesting. It is interesting. Yes. Um, what other news? The, the other thing I had, I had on my list already was VA has a proposed rule out there that you can comment on until January 3rd about their interest rate reduction refinance criteria. Uh, if you recall, when this first came out and uh, some of the criteria was set by Congress and they issued rules on certain things with VA refinances, and so it, it just wasn't clear. And what's really fascinating to me as I read through some of the stuff that VA is asking or telling us they need to clarify is, to me, I read a lot of this and go, well, we're doing this already. The, yeah. One component, for example, is not tangible benefit. We're already showing a comparison for the customer of, mm-hmm. you know, what is the old payment versus the new payment comparison. I think the challenge is it's not a standard form. But what's super interesting is VA going, look, somebody's misinterpreting where we've got parentheses, and they're thinking they can take different mathematical approaches to what a payment comparison is. And so it was super interesting that, 
some of these clarifications, I think many lenders will look at and go, well, this isn't a big change because I've, I've already been doing this. When you read the why behind VA, uh, why they're having to propose some of this, is apparently there may have been some lenders out there who were taking some shortcuts and, and not uh, following what the rest of us really interpreted for net tangible benefit and how to do the math to recoup for the 36 months uh, that your closing costs recoup in 36 months. So I think it's the devil's in the details and the weeds within mm -hmm. the VA proposal as to what's really changing. Uh, so please reach out, uh, make sure you, you study it well and comment. Uh, not huge changes in most areas, but uh, worth digesting to make sure we're prepared. I'll pass it back to you, Dave. Very good. Alice, thank you so much. Any commentary, Mark, that you want to add to it? It's a... Yeah, I think, I think David, that um, the most amazing thing about the comments that, that I would have is that, you know, we, we continue to be in an in a environment, especially in the financial environment, where things come and go that are pluses and minuses in our industry. And, and certainly, I think any time you can keep the, uh, a program at VA out of the hands of Congress as setting guidelines, that's a plus for the consumer and a plus for the industry. But on the flip side, when we look at the other aspect we were talking about, the CFPB, um, sometimes there's just an overstretch on things. And, you know, my personal opinion is that's an overstretch of what they're thinking about doing. I mean, they, they obviously, somebody came up with a reason to do that, but we just don't need more and more layers of stuff out there that's being created that we as taxpayers are paying for that serve not a real valid, useful purpose out there. And so I, I, I really hope that in the political environment we see some changes where we uh, we streamline some things, and there's a lot can be streamlined as we all on the phone know about our industry, and be a more productive uh, unit, more cost-effective for our bars. And maybe times that we're in right now wouldn't be so hard if we were more cost-productive because we have less regulatory oversight that sometimes is – very good, but sometimes it's very, very bad and serves no useful purpose. And I don't think I speak alone when I say that. Mm. So that's my comment on that little yeah. subset good. we did. Yeah. Well, I'd like good. to opine on top of that, David. Please. So, yes, you know, Alice, Alice is reading it as she gets it to come across the wire, and Mark is spot on. Here we are. The CFPB is doing this because they can they don't need to. It's already published, which Alice said, and I'm sure that's exactly right someplace else. So why do this? Why put this onerous, more onerous? It's because volume's down. Why are more loans being looked at and kicked back for repurchase right now? Because volumes are down and because GSEs need the income. And when the market shifts like this, this is what happens. And uh, it's terrible. If, if this is accurate news, that's what they're doing. Um, CFPB has better things to do. They already have this information, so it's it's ridiculous if it's accurate. Yeah, there's there's yeah, a number. I think of the issue too is that the, the, I think they want to make it public, right? So I think that was maybe <laughs> I wasn't uh, didn't I forgot that step. It's it, yeah, it's out there, but now put it in a consolidated view for the public from their registry. So. Yeah, I agree with you. Well, but if it's Sorry, already out to throw that in. Yeah. Instead of putting it on us, exactly. they, wonders, they have to go give it to them. Yeah. All right. Well, well I, I agree. I, I keep wondering, it just doesn't open the door for the plaintiff bar, that part of the legal industry that just loves like a pack of wolves hurdling, circling around the mortgage lending uh, yeah, herd and looking at who they can go in and go after. I mean, I just I look at this whole thing and go, what's the motive of it? But anyway, it is what it is, and it's, we appreciate you reporting on it, Alice. Thank you very much. 
Um, That's a very good point, David. That was a very good point you just made. I hope everybody heard that. Yeah. It, it, I get so frustrated. But here's the, here's a perspective. Alice, I was actually thinking about you last night. Um, I've talked to several people related. This is outside the mortgage industry, but talk about how they got solar panels on their house. And they, they said it saved us this. And they, they really were touting the value of the panels they got. And, it, of course, the rebates. And there is a federal uh, program where it's up to 30% of what you spend. You can get back on a tax credit. And there's some nice features on it. So I said, look, okay, I, I'm going to look at this. And especially when my wife brought it up and she says, you know what, we probably should look at it. I've been wanting to, I'm kind of a gadget guy, so I want to put solar panels up there. But here's what it is. These guys came out to my house. And now for the first time, I'm sitting on the other side of a table of people talking Greek. Now, panels are that, generating this, but, you know, kilowatts, megawatts, all the stuff that's going in there and, you know, feeding back into the system. Do you lease or do you own it? And I'm listening to this and I'm going, now I understand the value of why we have some regulations in there. And I think we as an industry can get callous to the point of we have so many consumers, especially the first-time homebuyers that are coming into this. I'm going – so I went through this thing, and it, it really sounded really, really good. I mean, we can lock in, supposedly lock in our, our uh, energy costs at uh, lower than our lowest bill per month. I mean, again, we live in Texas, so we have some really big bills in the month, hot summer months. But I was looking at it, is what are they not telling me? And I started thinking about it. And it's CFPBs. You know, I want to. I keep going back. Is, is everyone's motives good? But do we overstep them? And that's the big question we ask. I mean, there seems to be a need, and we may not think it because it's all the terminology is so familiar to us. But as I was sitting there looking at solar panels, listening to these two guys talk to me about it, and they were really trying to be helpful, and they were. I mean, I would characterize them as responsible, good salespeople. But what? Was it that they were not telling me? And that's where regulation comes in. And I think regulators are trying to help us make sure we're communicating to the consumer in such a manner. But I do get concerned about the overreach, and we certainly seem to have had a lot of that. And then there's the funding about CFPB that is an issue that's coming out there. That is before the U.S. Supreme Court, or is, is it going to be before the U.S. Supreme Court? And Alice, did you hear if that has actually been accepted by um, – United States Supreme Court on the funding issue. Did you have you heard if that's been accepted as an issue? That, uh, that'll take some time still. Correct. That's yeah. still um, they'll schedule arguments and then they won't make a decision until uh, usually the decisions will come out in June. So we have many months before we know. Yeah, many months before we'll find out if, if they actually the Supreme Court takes that on. If not, then the, the what the appellate court did was pretty significant. And so we may need to get Mitch Kiter back on or anyone, anyone who's listening here. We love to, we have a lot of attorneys listening here. So we, we love Mitch. We're real close friends with Mitch. So we bring up Mitch's name about that, but we'd love to get all, anyone out there that has got some knowledge on this perspective. Please come on. We welcome the opportunity. We'll interview you and talk about that, but a lot around this topic, but Alice Alvey, thank you so much for being here with a great report as you always bring and so much information, some of which we like, some of which we don't like, but, we love the messenger, and you do a great job. Thank you, Alice. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Alan Pollock, good to have you here, friend. We were wondering, you know, Alan is a busy guy. They just sold the company he works for. A lot of going on in the M&A area, so, you know, he makes it in here as best he can every, as often as he can. But it's good to have you here live, Alan. Appreciate you, friend. What you got for us? No, oh, it's this great week? to be here, as, as always. Quite yeah, always. last week I, I had – yeah, last week I had a um, a little fire that I had to deal with. So, you know, we all have those fires that come up. And mm-hmm. uh, while it would be great to just step away and not deal with them, uh, unfortunately, right, sometimes we, we have to be a firefighter. So uh, it all worked out great. Um, so 
Yeah, David, I I feel like I've been short on my uh, on my mortgage jokes, so I've got some new ones. <laughs> and I thought this would be a great week to share all all this really? regulation conversation, right? Market and regulation. So uh, why do why do underwriters have such soft hair? It's because they condition the heck out of it. Oh, very good. You make that <laughs> well, that's one a good one. Mark, on that. Alice is just shaking her head. I'm sure that's good. All right, yeah. all right. And so they can, I'll uh, give you one more because I, I, these are always meeting starters. By the way, if you have, you know, when you're waiting for folks to join meetings, the other one is, why couldn't SpongeBob get a mortgage for those of you with young children? Uh, because his house was underwater. Oh, so those are some good ones. <laughs> okay. All right, let's move on. Right. <laughs> Yeah, please, please. But that's like good meeting starters. That's a good way to put it, characterize it. Yep. All right. Oh, yeah. So on a more serious. All right. So love your humor. Yeah, this is a great article. Um, kind of interesting. This was on Fox. Digital mortgages <laughs> to enter a new, faster, and cheaper era in the year ahead. And I thought this was kind of interesting. It was written, actually, it was an article posted with Fox in combination by Seth Appleton, who's the uh, Mismo, current Mismo yeah. president. And what he said was, and I'm reading some of this verbatim and just adding a little bit here and there. Last year, after interest rates hit record lows, a surge of borrowers rushed to refinance their homes or buy new ones. And while this gave lenders a robust profit margin, it also left them with no time to improve the mortgage experience, which, you know, he's 100% right. And as I was reading the article, I thought, I thought he was just going to talk about how Mismo is going to save the day, right? That's what you'd expect. And I was, I was starting to think, wow, this is going to be maybe something I don't agree with. And then I read the rest of the article and I said, oh, actually, I agree with the whole thing. So what he basically lines out is, you know, um, lenders are focused on technology. They need to focus on technology. And according to the NBA right now, some of the top tech concerns, right, things aren't always beautiful and perfect in tech, include cutting IT costs information security and picking the right technology so you can look at this right you can you can slice an apple many different ways or an orange there's all different ways to do it but at the end of the day we we you have to cut some costs right and you can look and say i can't i can't cut operations i can't cut sales i'm gonna cut it uh but that comes at a a cost that could be a cost of security and a data breach it could be the cost of having efficiencies and people having to, to do double work or it could come at the cost of a loan not being manufactured correctly and having a buyback. So you need to think about IT very carefully. Also, information security, we just mentioned that. I mean, data security and systems and infrastructure is critically important in, in this day and age. Uh, the, the phishing, by the way, as lenders, you're, I've seen some lenders do this, your due diligence to your customers, your borrowers, and your, your loan officers and operational staff making sure they're aware of all of the phishing attempts, people posing as if they're the water company, that they're Apple, Amazon, um, you name it. They, they're looking for anything possible to grab your attention and throw you off. Um, and, and especially when borrowers transact through their personal Gmail, AOL, whatever accounts they have, um, and they're nervous about a, an important transaction, you got to be really careful about wire fraud and other things. So, Information security is not just about your computers and systems, but it's also about how you interact externally. So keep that in mind. And, of course, picking the right technology. So check it out. It's on Fox, uh, and you can Google that. Uh, again, that was Seth Appleton um, from Mismo. Yep. Next topic, 
I wanted to talk about, David, is very interesting. So we all heard of Waterstone Mortgage Corporation. They're out of Wisconsin. Um, so they just appointed a new director of digital marketing. And I, I wanted to bring this up because if you're thinking about the customer experience, right, David and, and the rest of our team on the podcast here, we're talking about, you know, still can be selling, get out there and sell, et cetera, et cetera. Well, what does a digital, a director of digital marketing do, right? You're probably thinking, you know, what do they have to do with technology and what's digital marketing? Well, here's the list of what Waterstone is going to be focusing on, which they just hired somebody new. They're going to be focusing on customer acquisition, retention, reputation management, SEO, SEM, mobile and SMS marketing, lead gen, lead gen conversion, and many other things. So when you think about that, right, they, they're titled digital. They're interacting with technology to do all these things, meaning they need to be hand-in-hand -hand with your product team. But more importantly, they're focused on what were the first two, customer acquisition, retention, and then reputation management. So if you're, if you're looking on, you know, where to spend money and where to evolve to, as, as, as many are saying, what, how to get ready um, or how to sell right now, you want to think about that. Maybe you have someone or you're ready, you're ready, you're ready we're looking for somebody, but the director of digital marketing, it's pretty interesting. All right, David, I yeah. wanted to just bring up one one topic that is absolutely critical, um, and a lot, of, a lot of lenders do this and a lot of vendors do this. T today's message is, is more about the technology vendors and supporting them as well as the lenders. Um, right. Now's a good time to, to train an admin, to train somebody to be an expert on your technology solutions. And, and this is always neglected, by the way. Um, and a lot of times people will say, well, this tech doesn't work or I don't understand this tech, um, or it doesn't prescribe what I thought it would do. Well, the reason maybe is just solely that you don't have an admin, somebody that is an expert in the organization that can be the one to understand the features, read your vendor's release notes, read the new, you know, new integrations, and understand your business and the metrics around it so that they can help implement and train the internal staff or work as a member of the executive team and on the vision to understand how these features will help lower costs and enhance the process. Now, a lot of times, David, it's key staff, right? Executives and other people wind up getting burdened to get involved in these things, and, and they also have a full-time job. So to fix the burden and help evolve your staff, the folks that didn't want to become admins of your technology, think about appointing someone who can be an admin. Now, just four quick things to remember. The admin staff, these folks that, that you put there to own the technology solution and process, right, they're meant to be a soft skill powerhouse. They're meant to be tech specialized, and you can find folks that are tech aligned, meaning their job is more on supporting technology than supporting the business and shifting to technology. They are a specialized admin, and they're usually agile and adaptive. So just, just in summary, David, you want to find somebody, if you already have someone, that can be agile. They can understand different methodologies, different departments, and they can also work with your vendors to understand how to leverage their technology, and they stay right. updated on that technology, and they, they manage the business with it. Yeah, I think an important clarification that you should make, and I want to get uh, David and um, Mark's thoughts on this. You, you, when you say we're not advocating that you can't cut 
people in technology. You can't, it's, it's just being really mindful because so many that are listening to this is we have got to catch. I'm thinking of the CFOs that listen to this. I'm, of all the consultants, we do a lot of consulting in the area. And David, is, uh, Mr. Kittle, has done a lot of consulting in how to right-size your company. And it's not that you can't. Now, one area that Mark has talked about is in loan servicing. You really got to be careful because your volume hasn't gone down on loan servicing unless you sold off a bunch of servicing portfolio, some of your portfolio. I mean, servicing is servicing. There's not been that you don't go cutting in servicing. That's probably one place unless you've sold off some servicing, you really need to be mindful of that. But the other part of it is on the technology side, you're not saying don't cut, I'm assuming, or add clarity to this. But you're saying cut in a way that's with wisdom and then looking at uh, training up some people to be assist- in the assistance and trading them in your right. technology. Yeah. Is that what you think? Help him. A little bit, David. I, I mean, from the tech side, I, I would love to say never cut tech. Um, but yeah, but let's be reasonable, yeah. right? We're, we're running businesses here. Um, I, I think that there's the right folks to cut and right folks not to cut. And I think that having the admin role is a unique role, and you, you have to have more of a tech mind. Um, but mm-hmm. you do need somebody who can understand and collaborate well with the business and your vendors, and they're, they're good at training and helping to, you know, they, they need to own the support and the onboarding vehicle of your technology solutions and giving those to your staff. That's a good point. Good staff there. Excellent. Good. Very good. Mark, you want to add to that? Yeah, I sure would. I think you're really on to something there, Alec. Alan, I think that um, David's comment about servicing is a a very good comment because in servicing, kind of like you're talking about in technology, we have to take a customer service rep, uh, and you have it in originations too, but it's more spots that you attack at a certain time. When a customer calls the mortgage servicing line, they expect the person who's on the phone to be able to talk to them about anything about their loan. And that is really hard to do because you really got to have people trained that know what they're doing and can speak to all aspects of it. Or if not, you're swapping it off to the insurance department or the tax department or the assumption department or the payoff department or whatever. Well, you know what's happened in our industry today and also what's happening generally in the public, you can't call anybody on the line and get an answer. You know, they middle mouth around for a few minutes, and next thing you know, they've got to transfer you to somebody. Then the, the line hangs up on you, and you finally do get them and all. Yeah. So spot on, you're right on target about dealing with things as they come up and having those experts, those admins that, that know everything they need to know. Because when you start letting your expertise go, you got to make sure you have backfilled that with people who know the answer and can be responsive yeah. to your customers. And I think you made a damn good point. Appreciate that. Amen. You bet. Mr. Kittle? Any thoughts? No, I mean, you know, it's towards the end of the call, and uh, it's been a great call today, actually. A lot of information, <clears throat> good back and forth to everybody, and as usual, Mr. Helm uh, closes the day with, with great comments and insight. So, Looking forward to hearing your uh, comments or what um, Doug Duncan has to say in your interview with him. I'm looking forward to that one very much. Thanks for yeah, being here, Dave. be good tomorrow. Yeah, thanks for being here. Alan, thanks for being here. Appreciate it. Good report. You always bring out some really great stuff. <laughs> and your humor is getting better at the end. There was a couple of times. The taco, <laughs> the taco probably takes that. That's the best one of the year. You know, the, the Hey, David, my know. daughter's an underwriter, and I sent her that first joke that uh, was told. You You're going to get a Christmas laugh. present now. I guarantee it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A lot.
lot of loan officers will be saying, yeah, we're sending you, we're sending you some conditioner because, man, it, you seem to have it down. Good. There's all the subtle ways of communicating your over-conditioning. That's good. Good job. Hey, team, appreciate you all being here. Alice had to drop already. She got pulled into uh, a conversation. And uh, Mark, I mean, uh, uh, of course, Matt is uh, bolted out because he's got his stuff going. But we really appreciate you all as regulars being here and uh, helping lift this load and just adding the different voices and the different perspectives to it really makes for a much richer podcast. Listeners, we want to hear from you. There's topics that you want us to share, you want us to focus in on, get our thoughts on. We love hearing from you. Email any one of us. You can text me, Dave, Dave uh, or my text number, my cell phone number is 512-632-2900. Mark, do you want to give yours out so people can text you and, and share some of their perspectives? Yes, it's 713-203-0031. Oh, there you go. And then uh, uh, Alan, you can email him, alan, A-L-L-E-N, at tms-advisors.com, as well as David Kittle. You go to dkittle at tms-advisors.com. So very good. Hey, everybody, have a great week. Look forward to having you back here next week. We appreciate you being a listener. Have great holidays. Again, it's starting, may it be uh, a, one of the best holidays for you. Keep your perspective on it because we have a market that is going to be, I think, a, we have the potential of having a really good year next year, contrary to how this year has ended out. It's been, it's been the Grinch. Christmas, as we entered into the Christmas, but the Grinch definitely showed up with, on rates. But um, let's look forward to be anticipating a great year next year. Appreciate you all. Come back and look forward to seeing you back here next week. Have a great Merry Christmas and great rest of your week. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.